we're dealing with a problem that in order to fix it, you got to get to the core of where the problem started to start with. The problem is broken families. The strength of our people is family. Our focus should be on families, keeping families together, keeping families strong, encouraging family unit and how a family unit should be and how a man should guide and lead his family in life, in all things. What are we doing in our homes? How are we building better homes? That is the center of why the black man, we are still bound and we don't realize that we are. Yup, this is Caesar Walker, the cool, calm, collected. And I'm Ronnie Gatry, the emotional one. We are the Tipping Point Podcast, your source for the black male's perspective. Peace and blessings, everyone. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to the latest and greatest episode. Shout out to all listeners, both new and old. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us, even if it is for just a little while. Everyone is here. Gatry, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Awesome. Black, how are you, sir? I'm doing well also. That is spectacular. (laughs) I'm just so tickled that he's speaking into the mic. Well, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Oh, and Black, that was your cue. Or is that me? I, How do we do it? S-U-C-V? I mean, who, Let's run it back. Let's who, run it back. Who, Let's else, run it back. Who, who else is who else is on, on? I thought Black normally did it. Okay, Walker. Man, number one, how long have you been sitting over here? And number two, how are you doing? Well, I left first, and then I came back. Um, Today's a special day because we have a guest. Yes. Oh, I'm not about to introduce this man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we have a return guest, uh, a very special guest. He's not, I told him, I told him beforehand, like, he's not a visitor anymore. Cause, like, you know, you can't be a visitor if you come back. But uh, we are so blessed and privileged to have the Stephen Michael Washington returning to the booth with the tipping point. Give it up for my guy one more time. What's going on, guys? What's going on? It's good to be here. Now, now, listeners, you may remember that voice from a uh, very popular episode we aired last year called Removing the Fear. Uh, Stephen Michael Washington gave us some great gems in terms of like homeownership, uh, even going back to roots to black homeownership. So uh, if you want to hear that, make sure you go back to last April. It's a great, great uh, podcast, one of our more better performing podcasts in terms of consumption. But um, we're not going to talk about that today. Now I'm going to hand it over to you, Walker, to bring in this topic or whatever our conversation is going to be. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) contrary to whatever Gatchery has been doing uh, between in y'all's conversations, uh, we definitely had intentions of bringing you back. And it's funny how it's already been like it's been a year since you last 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 came. A whole year. It doesn't feel that long. A whole year. We're in a whole other space. Yeah. Yeah. A whole year. Bigger to man, literally, right? 365 days. Um. <laughs> so you've been you've been keeping in touch with us since uh, since you last appeared as a guest on our podcast, and we have been kind of feeling our way through in these podcast streets, just just kind of finding our identity. And we brought you back, man, just to kind of 
just talk man to man just have a good conversation around manhood what it means to be a man and uh just uh, we appreciate what you brought to the podcast when you came the first time so we know that this is a topic that you would love to be a part of so again thanks again for showing up what 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 have you been up to man just just give us kind of a, a high pitch just for people who may not have heard the first podcast just kind of let us let people know what you what you do what you've been up to as of late just continuing that that conversation you know um building communities that's that's really my focus in the mortgage world um and uh, real estate and um, just really finding opportunities to reach people where they are and help them accomplish home ownership and just being a part of that conversation in any way possible in any any facet as it relates to home ownership community and community development um, I, I think a lot of times in my industry we only think of the mortgage aspect of it but when you're talking about building strong communities, it's, it's a holistic approach. So it's just not home ownership. It's the it's part of it and a big part of it. But you're also talking about health, health wellness, financial wellness, financial literacy. You know, all of those things that play into a, 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 a community that is growing, that's not stagnant, it, it's progressive, and it's healthy. So just being a part of that conversation in any way possible um, and being part of the action of, of putting it into place. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I, w- I was thinking about this today and, you know, I, I was I was sharing with my wife like I, I don't I don't believe in uniformity. I don't believe that we have to do the same thing, say the same thing, believe the same thing. But we can have unity in that we're running a different race. But hopefully the goal is for us to end up at the same finish line. Yeah. Right. And so you're fighting, you want a certain outcome that is in line with what we want as men for our community, for our families, right? But you're running it in a different lane. So I want to talk about kind of the, another way to fight this war and just talking about how we can improve as, as, as men. Um, But just to kind of get some more, more introspection about you. I was I was preparing up for this this podcast and I was it reminded I thought about the commercial. I have a commercial that's my favorite commercial so far this year. And it's the crypto.com commercial with LeBron James when he visits his his LeBron James of the present uh, visits LeBron of the past. His high school self. And so LeBron is sitting on the bed with the book with CDs, right? And the younger LeBron is like talking about what's happening now in the present, right? He even uses outdated language, you know, lingo, the whole nine. And he asks LeBron a question about the future. And of course, as we always see in these, in these types, where there's a commercial movie, they don't tell you what happens in the future, right? But he gives him some advice. Basically, you have an opportunity to call your own shots, Right. And so that's when the younger LeBron gets excited and says, we go into the league, right? I thought that was, an, I thought that was just a cool how they did that commercial. My question to you is if you had an opportunity to go back in the past and visit the high school version of Stephen Michael. Wow. And you had one bit of advice 
to give that young man as he's getting ready to go out into the world? What do you tell that version of yourself? I have (laughs) pondered that question a lot of times. And the answer is going to be very interesting. I would tell them to listen to your parents. Hmm. Elaborate. I man. <laughs> I you know, <clears throat> I I was blessed to have, um, or to have. My parents are still with me. Um, I was blessed to have parents that number one believed in God to the utmost and the, to, on the highest level, and they believed that he um, believing in him. And submitting to him was the like number one, and everything else was secondary. And that's how they governed their lives. That's how they raised us as children. That's the way that they dealt with people at work, people they met on the street. Everywhere they went, they were governed by that. And they would teach me, and they would talk to me, and they would tell me things, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like every other high school student and every other teenager was like, nah, y'all don't know nothing. And that is an absolute lie. They knew everything. Why? Because they had been 18 before. They had been in high school. They had graduated. They had lived a life prior to me getting here. And um, and so, if there was one thing, because <laughs> there's a lot of things I would go and tell them, but I would tell him, listen to your parents and do what they said to do. And that, that's it. And I learned that lesson. I came to that conclusion by having children myself. Mm-hmm. I see my son, my oldest son, who is basically a spitting image of me. And I see everything that he's going to do and about to do before he does it. And I tell him, don't do that. And then he does it. And then I see the outcome. I was like, man, if I could just convince him. And then I, it, you know, the light went off. I was like, golly. All he's doing is what I did. Mm, right. <laughs> so, so if I was to tell my my high school self, listen to your parents, do what they tell you to do. Like, listen, mm. they're not dumb. They know it. <laughs> <laughs> like they've been there before. <laughs> why do you think that's so tough? To why do you think it's so tough? Going back into that teenage body, teenage experience. Why was it so tough to listen to them? Um. I, I think it's a number a number of things. Um, some of it is the it was the old school meeting the new school um, because the and, and me and my father we we've had a lot of conversations about this and um, and some of the things that we talked about is is the way that they were brought up and the way that they was coming along and so it was their ability to navigate the new age, right? And so there was a lot of things that I as a child had access to that my father did not. There was a lot of things that were becoming the norm that my father was not, like access to porn, access to, um, you know, adult nature, things that wasn't as accessible during the, you know, during the 50s and the 60s when my father was a teenager. And so being able to communicate from what they were taught as children, you know, because when they was growing up, you didn't talk about finances. You didn't talk about, you know, all that stuff was taboo. Shh, you know, we keep it under the rugs. We're not going to go into all of that kind of stuff. 
And and so now when you're coming into an age to where you better talk about it because somebody else is um, and, and understanding how to do that. And, and I think it's it's that. And so now that I am a father, I understand that. And it's about trust. It's, a, it's about trust between a father and a son and an open line of communication. And, and, and then that, once you get into those teenage years, that trust will correlate into, okay, my dad knows he, what he's talking about versus everything's taboo and it's shut down. And, oh, well, I, I, well, what about this, dad? And it's like, oh, no, we're not going to talk about that, you know, and things of that nature. And, and, I, and I think it causes teenagers to close themselves off from what their parents have to say. Um, and so I, I think that drives it because teenagers are already know-it-alls. Like, we, <laughs> we know everything. Right. So we, we have to have an open line of communication um, with adults, with our parents, to be able to talk about those hard things and, and then at, actually listen to them. And, and so I think that's what happens with teenagers. Just, you know, just gotcha. too smart for their own good. No, I mean, I, I'm thinking about it. Uh, you were so I, smart for your own good, too? Oh, of course. I still am. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, um, I just remember that, that uh, of course, obviously through teenage years, but even even when I started to establish some level of independence, I remember those calls. I'm very close to my mom, but I remember those calls of mom and just the, the light bulb going off like, oh, yeah, mom, this is why you had us do dot, dot, dot. And it seemed like the dots just never end. So uh, I can definitely I can definitely feel that uh, one of the, another thought I had was, you know, I think about think about my kids. My oldest is eight at the time of this recording. And uh, I spend a considerable amount of time thinking about how their, uh, you know, their technology consumption is going to going to be different than mine, because I'm starting to realize now as I, as I stare down the barrel of 40 of uh, I'm just I'm not keeping up with the wave on everything. What's that supposed to mean? What staring down the barrel of 40? Yeah. That that is the gateway to old age, sir. Okay, that's what we're doing. Go ahead. What? No, no, go ahead. Did, did I cross no, the line? No, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> but no, but no, it's just like, man, like, what? <laughs> Here it is. I thought I had it all figured out, especially on the technology spectrum. But man, there's there's stuff coming out every day that these kids are talking about, and I have no idea what it is. So, um, in thinking about the weight, the value of like. Man, you got to get ahead of this stuff and talk to your kids about it sooner than later. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. So, you know, something that you said, Stephen Michael, that jumped out to me was the relationship between father and son. And that's kind of what we're just talking about, because we're 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 trying to shape men kind of tougher to do that once you become a man but while you're an impressionable young boy you have a you have a shot Mm -hmm. but even even as men we're looking for conversations that we can relate to right that speaks to our experience and so we're trying to you know we we have fun we crack our jokes we we do what we do but at the end of the end of the day we want to make men better in your own words what is it what does manhood mean for this community that we want the families we want right 
what does the man look like in that picture? Um, that's 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 very interesting. But first and foremost, number one at the top is love God, and I truly believe that. Um, the Bible says we are made in His image and in His likeness, and so how can you? as a man go and create and have dominion if you are not represent representing the one who created you and and so it, it becomes difficult to accomplish things in life when you are not living the way that you should or or let me let me say it this way if you are not fulfilling what you was created to fulfill so just think about it you take a race car and you take it off-roading, what's going to happen? More than likely, you're going to get stuck in the mud. Or if you take an off-road Jeep and put it in a drag race, you're going to get dusted. You're going to get left behind. What is the reason? It's because you're taking something meant for one thing and you're purposing it for something that is not intended to be. And that's the same for us. So we have to first acknowledge who created us and acknowledge him through loving him. Um, then next is our families, um, loving our families, providing for them, taking care of them, whatever that looks like. If, if it's child support, pay it and don't miss it. Pay it. Um, if, if whatever the case may be, we, we, we got to provide for our families. We have to love, love our families and make them a priority in our life. Right. Um, I, I think so often we see opportunities and then we put those opportunities before our families and um and, and we and we got to be able to um, do that accountability accountable for our actions um our behavior um, what we should be doing versus what we aren't doing um and and not only that owning it like when we make a mistake we I'm, I, I think we have this problem with saying i'm sorry mm. like i uh, yeah i did that I apologize. That that wasn't my intentions, um, and and we gotta own our stuff. We just we gotta own our stuff, um, and and then the um, the last one would be, you know, respecting ourselves and others, and and I think that respect comes in how we present ourselves mm -hmm. and our dress, uh, and also how we interact with others, um, and and I think. As far as being a man and being a real man, it starts with those things. I think we we put a lot of things in masculinity and being strong and how we physically, you know, appeal, how tall we are, how short we are, you know, all those other things. None of those things matter because um, we're not going to be measured by those things. But how our ability to love, love others, um, take care of our responsibilities and be and being accountable for our actions and the way that we present ourselves to the rest of the world and our actions, how we talk, our, our dress, our behavior, all of it. Awesome, man. Good stuff. I'm, I'm, I want to I want to this is a great lead in. And, and I think this is where we get to kind of like our discussion amongst ourselves with this. <clears throat> I stumbled across like an opinion piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, by Michael Ian Black And the the piece is called The Boys Are Not Alright <laughs> Are Not All Right A-L-L mm -hmm. And I'm not going to read it all But he, there's some stuff in here that I was like We got to talk about it It's talking about manhood 
I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a couple of paragraphs and then we'll talk just to dissect a little bit. He says the brokenness of the country's boys stands in contrast to its girls who still face an abundance of obstacles, but go into the world increasingly well equipped to take them on. The past 50 years have redefined what it means to be female in America. Girls today are told they can do anything, be anyone. They've absorbed the message. They're outperforming boys in school at every level. But it isn't just about performance. To be a girl today is to be the beneficiary of decades of conversation about the complexities of womanhood, its many forms and expressions. Boys, though, have been left behind. No commemorate movement has emerged to help them navigate toward a full expression of their gender. It's no longer enough to be, in quotes, a man. We no longer even know what that means. What does that mean? Like, well, how, how do you, does that resonate? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Talk to me, Gatchery. Um, what do you, what are you hearing in that? I, it, it's, <laughs> oh gosh, where do I start? I, well, I'll start with what resonated the most with me. And that is when our, our young women are being told they can be whatever they want to be. And uh, there's there's a push for that agenda. And and don't get me wrong, it's important. But what are young boys being told? Right. You know what I mean? Um, it, it we 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 uh we we had this uh, service project at an elementary school, a local elementary school, and um, I got a chance to meet a lot of young men there. And uh, when I heard their influences, when I heard what's driving them, when I heard what's not driving them, um. I had some had some disturbing thoughts in my head, and uh, you took me back there with that one part when you said, "Yeah, we're very intentional about telling young girls they can do whatever they want to do." So you know, in that in that moment, I had the opportunity to at least impart some some of what I deem to be wisdom, <laughs> and let a lot of these young men know, like, "Yeah, dude, rap is cool, but like, there's still a world out here, and there's still there's still other things you're gonna have to do." Not saying don't rap, not not saying don't aspire to be that, but do you know how many do you know how many kids want to rap? Do you know how many actually make it? So like, what else you got going on? If you rap, does that mean you like English? Does that mean you like to form sentences? Do you know what? How can we how can we uh, put a new spin on that wordplay and have something like more more effective that will make you more productive in society? Yeah. And um, anyway, these conversations hadn't hadn't been heard from these young men before, so it, it's twofold here, Walker. And I, and that's a small subset, and I'm not basing all young male America on that subset, but um, definitely in that subset, I'm just thinking like, okay, we're not telling young boys this, but do do young boys even want it? Are they even prepared to hear that? Yeah. Or do they even want that? Yeah. So yeah, th- those are those are the knee jerk things that come to mind. Any 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 thoughts, Black, as you hear that, or are you just like, yeah? When I think back to my childhood, it seems like I was always being told what not to do, mm. but I wasn't really given direction on like where where should I go. But I knew everything I shouldn't do, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right, for sure, yeah, definitely <laughs> for sure. You know, the the analogy before I get to you, Stephen, uh, is is I remember being in college. 
And let's say I'm taking four courses that semester, right? And the three courses, three of the four courses I'm doing well, but this one course I'm struggling in. So what I do, and hope maybe y'all can relate to this, I devote all my time to that one class, right? And I start getting the grades up, but because I'm giving all my attention to that one class, what happens to the other three courses? What happens to the grades in those yeah, other three courses? That's all. That's us. Mm. And I think because society is putting all of its energy, all of its focus to try to get women up, we're forgetting that men are slipping right? because no attention, time and effort is being poured into our young men that they can be whatever they want to be. They can do whatever they, it's a world beyond entertainment for you. There's a place for you in society and you don't have to be a rapper or singer or dancer or, or chase a ball to, to, to find your place. Right. That's kind of what I get from when I read that is that society is trying to pull up one course and the rest of their grades are slipping. Yep. Yeah. What do you think, Stephen? I, I mean, I, I agree with you guys have said um, what you what has been said so far. I, I will add this to it: is we're dealing with a problem that, in order to fix it, you got to get to the core of where the problem started to start with. And the problem is broken families. So there's a um, a problem. It's not necessarily a proverb, but it's um, it, it states that no man can enter into a strong man's house and take his goods, yeah. except he bind the strong man. So if you refer back to the Willie Lynch le- letter, if, if y'all know what I'm yeah. referring to. Oh, my goodness. Right? I, yes. I went all the way back. Yes. But the focus of that was, of course, as you, as you know, that some Virginia slave owners were having problems with their slaves. And they was trying to figure out how to get control of them on the plantation. They was they was running loose. They was revolting, and they were doing you know just behaving ungodly. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> and um, and hey, how can we get control of this? And so Willie Lynch wrote a letter to the plantation owners and told them how to deal with them. And we're not going to go into detail as oh to goodness. what he said. I to encourage do. anyone, everyone, you got to read it. it. Oh my you goodness, you need to read it. You need to read it. But in essence. The intent was to destroy the man and destroy the mandingo, as they referred to him. Um, and it did two things. It, it one, it crushed the image of the black man in the, in the face of the black woman and then separated the home. And so that's what they did. They bound the strong man so that they can then control the narrative of the family. And keep it separated because the strength of our people is family. Right. I mean, it's it's what God created ultimately, and, and and family is at the center of who He is. So therefore, family is at the center of who we are. So when the when the family is like destroyed, it it, it makes what we're trying to accomplish successful. So our focus should be on families. Keeping families together, keeping families strong, encouraging family unit and how a family unit should be and how a man should guide and lead his family in life, in all things, not just paying the bills, um, buying the groceries. No, 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 no. Are you taking them to church? Are you praying with your family? Are you are you sitting down having conversations with your family? And so I think as we deal with the 
the plight of the black man, we need to deal with what are we doing in our homes? How are we building better homes? Because I think that is the center of why the black man, we are still bound and we don't realize that we are. It just looks different now. It just looks different. Yeah. 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 Um, I was, I'm, I have another paragraph to read, oh. but that, that was, that was good. But, but I want, I want to piggyback off of something you said, because you said you, you talked about how important families are, how critical to this piece of the puzzle, right? Cause again, we're leading back to the family. Unfortunately, we're in a day and age to where most people, most people in, in the U S they're either identify as Christian or have Christian roots. Yes. Right? That's true. Unfortunately, as time goes on and our society evolves, we're evolving away from Christianity, unfortunately, in some respects. You have a lot of people in our community are just either agnostic, they just existing. You have people who may, you know, Muslim that's always been um, that's always been another alternative but you have people who are in the conscious community you have people who are black Hebrew Israelites you have people who are looking for another way and in in the process of this exodus they're picking up different values and trying new stuff right and there's this there's a popular idea in which Many men are kind of against the idea of marriage, but they're looking at it in a sense of worst case, <laughs> right? Right. They look at marriage through the lens of divorce, right? And it's disingenuous to ignore the statistics, right? When you consider how many people are, how many divorces are taking place. But what did you say to a young brother who because you 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 mentioned the bible there's an order when it comes to family and marriage is a part of that equation yes what do you what do you say to the brother who is a is looking at marriage from the from the vantage point of divorce when you consider that of the divorces that take place 70 to 80% of the of the person filing is the woman if there's kids in, in, in involved, it's it, what, how do you reassure that guy that this is the way to go? Oh, and this, um, this is, this ain't looking, look at black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say. And, and, and it's not, it's not just for you. I mean, y'all, y'all yeah. chime in as well. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> the reassurance of it is that, um, marriage in of itself, the institution itself, um, is perfect. It is perfect. I'm gonna let that sink for a minute because it is. That's good. Yeah. God yeah. created it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So therefore, it is perfect. Divorce is something that was created by man because man wanted to forego long term success because they wanted present gratification. And marriage requires suffering. Period. Got to give. Can you say that one more time for the people <laughs> in the back? 
Marriage requires suffering. <laughs> Black, did you bring the collection plate? <laughs> I didn't realize suffering. we were going to church. So, 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 so. Marriage is perfect in of itself. The problem is the two people. So it's about the choices that you make and how are you making those choices? And there's a terminology that I know you all have heard and it's called being equally yoked. Right. And people do not put value in that phrase. And secondly, they don't understand what it means. You, yeah, yeah, <laughs> bullseye. They don't, they bullseye. don't understand well, what it means. Well, let, let's break it down for yeah. those who don't. You yeah. mean if, if equally yoked doesn't mean financially? No, it don't. Well, it, well, it, yeah. I, I mean, it, it could be part of it, but equally yoked has to do with how do you make decisions about life together? And when you, when you come to a point and you cannot agree, can you agree on how you're going to find the solution to whatever the problem is? Or yeah, because at the end of the day, if <clears throat> if you can't agree on something, some some something has to be a guide, right? Whether it's the Bible, because you already stated that the majority of people are going away from Christianity, so for most folks, they're not going to go back to the Bible. But are you going back to something? Mm-hmm. Can you agree that What's this is going to? Yeah, what is your yeah. guiding principle? Yeah. And do you agree on that guiding principle? Because when you get in the weeds with something, how are you going to determine what is right? Because the most of the problem is, is everybody's trying to find out, or you're going back and forth about who is right, but what is right? The who don't matter. It's mm-hmm. the what that matters. But in order to have the what is right, you got to have a guiding principle. So I think what's happening is as we get further away from Christianity, we are losing those guiding principles. Because for most for most people, that guiding principle was the word of God. Like, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And you got to agree that that is what's going to guide us and, and then have fundamental things. And then we got to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. We got to be honest about the things that we like that we don't like. And just because she's pretty and got a nice this and a nice that, that that is going to overcome these little things that may annoy you. No. If you think that she's going to change and be different down the road, no, she's not. People tell you exactly who they're going to be. You better believe it when they tell you who they are. Believe it when they tell you. Don't believe that it's going to change. It's not. Yeah. To, to, to piggyback off of that, when when talking about equally yoked, because you, you, you nailed it. In terms of most people don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's a it's kind of a dated term. Mm-hmm. It is. But I look at it as are the two of you in alignment? Mm-hmm. In other words, are y'all going in the same direction? Mm-hmm. Right. And oftentimes it's looked at as, OK, I'm a Christian. They're not. We're unequally yoked. OK, that's a part of it that's because of that's it. a spiritual component. But that's not the whole. But if. <laughs> If you are trying to build a business, right, and you plan on working 60, 70 hours a week, but her love language is quality time, <laughs> and you find this out while you're dating, y'all are not in alignment. No. And her, and right? her love language is not going to change. And it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Just because you bring the money in right. doesn't mean change. you're in, you're out of alignment. So there's three, like I look at three components in dating. One is attraction. Got to have that. Number two is chemistry. I got to have something to talk about. And then the third one is alignment. 
are y'all going in the same place in life? And if if you can have two, and what people stop at is two, and then say, let's get married. No. <laughs> right? And then they get married and find out we are not going in. The, and that's what they say. We grew apart. Well, you probably were never going in the same place. You were just attracted and in lust. Yep. Right? And so, desperate. And, or that. I mean, for or real. That, or there, that. There's a marriage desperation going on right now. There is. There yeah. really is. Yeah, if you clock, yeah. get the clock, right? Yeah. The clock. Yeah. The logical one. So, so I, I wanted to definitely elaborate on this, but but let's you 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 you're 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 on you you cooking right now. You are cooking, Stephen Michael. So let let's 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 go to this next paragraph. Okay, gentlemen. So he goes on to say. Too many boys are trapped in the same suffocating, outdated model of masculinity, where manhood is measured in strength, where there is no way to be vulnerable without being emasculated. Where where manliness is about having power over others. They are trapped and they don't even have the language to talk about how they feel about being trapped because the language that exists to discuss the full range of human emotion is still viewed as sensitive and feminine. I can't wait. I can't wait to get on this one, but we got to let the, the guests go first. I cannot wait. Why don't you just go ahead just and go? Because I, mean, I, I, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be courteous. <laughs> we, come, hey, he, we coming back to Steven. <laughs> you, gave us, you gave us that teaser. <laughs> right, right. We all over here on the cliff. No, man. Uh, like I just it, y'all anyone that's listening to this knows that like you know I speak out against this like I'm here for the emotions I'm here for the voicing and the verbalizing of emotions I'm here for the crying over the emotions honestly you know um it it doesn't it doesn't take away from your manhood any to number one know how you're emotionally wired and number two communicate that and if it takes you to a certain place let it take you there I think there's a strength excuse me I know there's a strength in that and I know that's why so many men struggle with that because there's a weakness. <laughs> there's a weak. Well, number one, the narrative is you're weak if you're doing that. But the true weakness is if you can't share what you're feeling, you know, thoughtfully and emotionally, that's a sign of weakness. And it's just, I don't, Walker, you said something. You said something on our old episodes. It's just about like how media is being is being set up. Especially when you have like sitcoms or shows with a black male role in it, and we don't see those. We don't see those lead fathers getting down, getting greedy, getting emotional, sharing like we used to. I mean, you, you had it at the Cosby Show. You definitely had it with Fresh Prince, but you're not seeing any of that. Yeah. And uh, I got a problem with it, honestly. And here, here goes my uh, my therapy pitch, but. I, I have to attribute therapy for understanding that there's value in that and also helping me to understand like I'm unique because I am not afraid <laughs> to share share what I'm feeling emotionally. Don't downplay it. No. Pitch it. Yeah. Therapy is important, sir. And, and you you know, I you, <laughs> I think this is okay to say. But, you know, so some of my LBs, they refer to me as the emotional one. I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> Oh, they see they see it too, huh? <laughs> right, but it's but it, <laughs> didn't take long at all, did it? But it's crazy, right? But it's crazy because like I've become the anchor of some much needed conversation within our group of men, 
And like, I'm okay with that. And I see the fruit of that. Things that things are being shared within us that some of these men have never shared before. And so like the value in providing that space for a man to be comfortable to share that where there's no judgment, where there's no criticism, man, that's when strength is getting upheld, right? Yeah. Is it just me here? No. I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, but we were with you, but just not as emotional. Got you. Which is fine. You're good. <laughs> You're on brand. Okay. Um, Black, any thoughts about, about what I just read? No, I just guess that I'm I'm lucky that I have friends I can confide in. I'm guessing y'all were talking about it not only about with your friends, but like within a relationship. Just in general. Yeah. Just in general. You know what yeah. I mean? I got um, some friends I can be really honest with and vice versa. So, in other words, having having a good community around you where oh, yeah. where there's a safe space. Yeah, and I've expanded it yeah. in this room. Awesome. Well, who, Steven? No, Walker. I mean, I mean, you underhand pitched that. Into him. <laughs> yeah. It was real slow. I watched it, and he didn't have a bat. He had a, he had a paddle. He did. <laughs> Wow. Um, your, your thoughts on what I just read. You, your thoughts on the, the way, the wording he, this guy used. This, yeah, this is an yeah. op-ed, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the word trapped. Mm. That's, that stood out to me. <laughs> what, what, do you, what, what, do you, what do you make of that? You know, I don't know what he was thinking when he used the word trapped, but I, I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that we're trapped. I, you know, so there's two ways we can go with this, right? Why are we trapped? Why, why did we get trapped? And then how do we get untrapped? And, um, and, and I'm going to take the, the one side and I'm going to speak specifically as it relates to relationship. Because I think yeah. men, our shortcomings show up the most in relationships. For sure. Our, our insecurities, sure. whatever it is that we've dealt with in life, they show up in relationships. And the reason being is <clears throat> the woman needs certain things from us. And whatever we've dealt with in our life is what doesn't allow us to give that to them. So it just comes full circle. So this is what I'm going to say about relationships. Men, as we are looking for, as we just talked about, equally yoked and, and someone's going in the same direction and we're having conversations with a young lady and we're courting and we're dating and all those wonderful things, let's find you a Delilah. <laughs> right. Okay. So now let me clarify what I mean by that. <laughs> I'm meaning find someone that gives you a safe space to be vulnerable and puts you at rest because that's what Delilah did. That's what she did for Samson. She put him in such a restful go, I place. Go, I can't go to Delilah. <laughs> I know you can't. I'm just playing. <laughs> Beautiful locks. Beautiful locks. But she put him in such a place of rest yeah. that he revealed to her mm. a secret that he was bound by birth to keep and not divulge to anybody the secret to his strength he gave that to her she put him in a place to be able to do that without restriction like he just gave it up man it took him a couple of times to get there but it was that over time that and i think we're we sometimes look for the wrong things but 
if if we can find that person that just puts you at ease to the point to where you can be vulnerable and it's not tainted and it's not tainted and there's no there's no ulterior motives there's no agenda to that then we can be vulnerable i think what we have been made to believe as men is that women don't want that and what i'm going to say to everybody at this moment is that is a lie from the pits of hell women want us to be vulnerable with them no, that's a fact. They they want us to be. I know. I know from my own marriage when I made that change and decided to start doing that, mm-hmm. I noticed you noticed the almost difference. immediate tangible differences. And, yeah. here's, and here's the reason: they equate that vulnerability to love for them, because sure. love sure. equates to trust. Mm-hmm. Sure. And 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 we in essence tell them that we don't love them when we're not vulnerable with, with with them because in essence not being vulnerable with somebody means that you don't trust them with whatever it is that you're trying to be vulnerable with or that you need to be vulnerable with so if you don't trust me how can you love me and you don't trust me I love that we invited you on this show because you're <laughs> me going, too. you're going right down the path that I want you to <laughs> okay I'm not saying some people needed to hear that but <laughs> so here's the conundrum uh-huh. with what you said because I don't I don't I don't disagree I agree but now we have a problem mm-hmm. we have a problem I have I you know I talk in analogies the they those two know it all too well you you you've heard me use several analogies mm-hmm. since we've been here yeah I was listening to another podcast and this person. Uh, made a reference to elks right and the analogy he drew to human nature from this grabbed me okay so the point that you just made Stephen Michael before I get into this is men when men in a relationship the woman wants you to be vulnerable okay here's the conundrum right Reproduction with elks. Try to read this as fast as I can. (laughs) The first time a cow female elk will mate is usually a little after two years old. Most males are sexually mature much, much earlier than the female with earliest 14 months being recorded. Usually there is a bull that leads the herd called a herd master. Okay. This is usually a large male elk that keeps away other males from their female elks okay when the herd master is challenged he will engage the opposing bull okay so now this this elk is charged with protecting the women he's a larger male and he's he's the leader he's the alpha okay there's a mating this mating process or the 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 mating season is referred to as the rut occurs in the fall The rut refers to the mating season that happens every fall. The rut usually occurs in early September to early October. There have been some bulls that began to form a herd in as early as August. Okay. During the rut, a bull, a male elk, will form a herd of cows, female elk. The bull who leads the cows is called the herd master. Okay. Which any bull can obtain the title if they successfully intimidate or beat the current herd master. Okay. Although there is a herd master, the herd isn't. Oh, I skipped a part. Sorry. 
The herd master will mate with the cows that are in the herd. Okay. Although there is a herd master, the herd master isn't the only one who can mate with the cows. Sometimes a bull will actually mate with one of the cows while the herd master is either busy with another bull or busy with the threat to the herd. I'll stop right there. The parallel is, or the conundrum we have is we see in here that these female elks are attracted to one particular type of elk. Not the docile, soft one, but the large protector, right? And so you want <laughs> me to be emotional. You want me to share my inner feelings, but that comes after your attraction to my ability to protect you. And so what I'm seeing, especially in these male improvement spaces is there's a lot of emphasis on the shell of a man, because that's what draws the woman in to begin with. Right. A lot of men have led with the emotion or being open and they end up getting friend zoned by a lot of women because are you reading my book right now? Biologically, <laughs> this is the conundrum, Stephen. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, yeah, yeah. this is the conundrum yeah. we're in because, because which one do I focus on? Because I want to get where you are. Mm-hmm. I understand I need to be in, emo- but she's not responding to me. Be- she's responding to the alpha. Okay. So let's fix She's that. responding to, do you see? Yeah. Oh, I see this is going. the problem we yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. So let's fix this. Okay. Because, we didn't say be vulnerable with every woman you come in contact with. Okay. We're talking about the one, not everybody. And so I think, I think that in, in, in turn is, is, is where we are with the conundrum. I think we try to be emotional with everybody. No, you don't need to be emotional with everybody. You come in contact with every girl you go on a date. With. No, no, no. So understand, Ronnie, Black is shaking his head. Beat man, because I'm hey, emotional. Hey, hey, I'm an hey, emotional get, person too. Get friend zone, remember? Get yeah, friend zone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spend a lot of time there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cold place. It is. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I've been there. Yeah. I've, I've been there too. I've been in the friend zone. Um, but I, I, I think we um, have we have got to learn to balance the both because there's there's nothing that says that you can't be both. Mm. Right, right, uh, and and, and, and that's that's ultimately what it what it is about. It's not an either or; it's a both and. Right? Okay. So going back to my original statement from the very very beginning, when I said, "What does a man look like?" We was made in the image and likeness of God. Mm. Okay. So you, if you look at the character of God and the essence of God, right? He will beat you, love you, pat you, comfort you. All at the same time, he's compassionate, he's loving, he's kind, he's gentle, he's patient, very patient, very right. patient, yeah. right. very right. patient. But at the same time, we also know that he will hold one arm and whip you with the other. And, and so there is that balance of being firm but at the same time being gentle as well. And I think 
what has happened is we've been pushed so much to the masculinity of things that we have forgotten to be gentle with where we're being gentle with. I, I, I guarantee you in that herd, and I don't know if there's statistics to, to support it, that some of those bulls, that when they approach those females, they're probably not as rigorous and as, as cutthroat as they are when they are defending and when they are protecting. And, and, and it's the same for us as men. And so we have to find a balance. Everything comes back to us. And in my list, one of them said accountability, right? We have, it starts with us, period. We want to say, oh, well, the woman this and the woman that and this independent and she's that and she don't want this. No, they do. But they're so accustomed to us not being what we should be. Their expectation that you're going to be no different than everybody else. When are we going to show them that we are something different than what they have been accustomed to and that they don't have to be that strong black woman. It's about me because can't no man take care of me. Right. They've been conditioned to do that. We have to uncondition them. Um, we have to be thermostats, not thermometers. And so it's, it's all these things that we have to do in order to change this narrative. And the bottom line is, is, it's both and, not either or. We can be hard and protective and, you know, whatever it is that we need to be in that moment. And at the same time, we can be vulnerable and gentle and emotional because they need that too. Yeah. So in other words, we can't if the goal is to improve men or help develop young men or men. We can't just develop a shell. That is correct. There has to be some substance behind the masculine or the masculinity of the man. That is correct. Yes, protect. Yes, provide. But there's more to you than that. And it's important to develop the other parts of you. The emotional part, the the. So let me let me ask you this. How important how important is purpose? Because doesn't that play a role in developing the totality of the man? Purpose is everything. Um, purpose is everything because purpose is what drives us to do. Um, there's a saying and I don't know who said it, but it, it, it sounds good. Um, they said when your why is big enough, the what doesn't matter. And, um, and that is where purpose lives, is purpose lives in that why. And so we have to have a purpose because when you wake up one day and you just don't feel good and you're having a bad day, but stuff got to get done, what do you do? You know, you, you can't afford to lay in the bed and cry, right. even though there's been times that, that I have done that and I, I admit that, but you got to get up and dust it off and keep it going. Well, what causes you to get up and go? Purpose does. Your why. And your why has to be big. Why can't it be, all oh, for the kids? No, it got to be bigger than that. Why cannot be, oh, because I want to buy the house? No, that's not big enough because when you buy the house, then what? Then what? Yeah. Right? When the kids are out of the house, then what? Because remember, your purpose was the kids. So, Where the kids go are gone. Yeah. Well, then what? <laughs> right. So the, the, the purpose has to be much bigger than what we can see in front of us. And I think part of our problem is, is we're not setting goals high enough. We're, we're setting uh, monetary and materialistic goals 
and we're not we're not setting God driven goals, you know, God driven purpose, like changing your environment, changing the things around you, you know. Um, so purpose is everything. Do you think that purpose has to be big so that it can be generational? Absolutely, because that that's what it is. That's why we are where we are. We have gotten here because there's been a generational deterioration of our people. And it was intentional and purposeful, masterful. A man wrote an entire letter with the intent purpose of destroying the black family. That's what his purpose was. Because he knew that the black family was the key to black success. And that if we stick together, they knew we were stronger than them. They knew that we were smarter than them. They knew that we was genetically superior. They knew it. So they had to keep us separate. They had to keep us down. They had to keep us in suffering. They had to keep us in chains. They had to keep us not knowing our potential. So that happened then, and it was passed from generation to generation, generation to generation. So our to counter that, our purpose now has to be so big that can't nobody destroy it because you're just going to be driven in a certain way that you're going to pass it to your kids. They're going to pass it to their kids. One of the things and the reason why that is so important is because, and of course, you know, my life is driven by the Bible. So everything correlates back to that. After the Ten Commandments was given and, and the laws were given to the children of Israel, this is what God instructed them to do. He said, I want you to teach your children my laws and my ways and your children's children and your children's children's children so that no one would never forget how I brought you out of Egypt, how I delivered you from Pharaoh, how I brought you across the Red Sea, how I fed you in the wilderness and how I protected you throughout history. The only way that you won't forget is if you talk about it and if you share it and you pass it down from generation to generation. So why do we all of a sudden think that today that don't work no more? It worked for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why, to your point, that Christianity is now becoming an afterthought for America is because we're not talk- we stopped talking about it. We stopped praying together. We stopped teaching those things, whether it's at the home and we can we can complain about the government taking prayer out of schools but at the bottom line they didn't take the family yeah right right and in essence prayer out of school is not what did it it's not praying at home is what did it it's not the school's responsibility to raise your children and teach your children the ways of your father and your father's father that's your responsibility and so we have to do that and have a greater purpose so that yes it is generational and our children will have purpose or understand the importance of having purpose. Got any questions? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it purpose is everything. And I, <laughs> I, I was delayed in really defining and really binding to my purpose. Right. And I'm just curious as you say that, like, I know it's valuable because I've been through periods to where I haven't had it and I've been lost. What, what would you say? What would you say, like, how does one go about defining and shaping purpose if it has become taboo and it's not handed down from someone else? 
you know, like a father figure or something like that? Well, um, I had a real close friend of mine. Um, I, I was going through some th- things, and she's actually the um, the godmother of my children. And um, she said to me one day, you need to go back and chart your life. And um, somewhere along the line, something changed, and that just kind of set you on the path that whatever happened to you. So chart your life from your very first memory at the earliest and then start charting each year of your life and the things that happened, whatever you can remember, where you went, who you was with, the things that you did, you know, things that were said to you, things that was happening in your family, and then keep on going all the way through your life. And then you will run into the defining moment. And so what that does is first, it gives you self-identity. It, it allows you to see yourself and who you are and, and where and who you are and what kind of brought you to where you are, right? <clears throat> and once you define who you are, then search for your reasoning and why you're supposed to be here. And and I just believe, it's it's my firm belief that um, God determines that. And, and that is reflecting in your gifts, your talents, your abilities. So when you discover those talents and those abilities, then this is where people get off course. They believe their gifts and their talents to be for themselves. And your gifts and talents are not for you. Your gifts and talents are given to you to share with the world, to share with other people. And I think what happens to us is we think that what we have is for us. And, you know, I, I want to hoard it and keep it and da 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 da. And, of course, we all know there's a there's a parable about talents and so forth and so on. We're not going to get into that. But I think that's where people get stuck. When you find your gift, understand that you need to share that with the world. And so for me, my purpose is simple as this. I don't want to leave this world with anything that God has given me. I want to leave it on the table. So therefore, everything that is given to me, as my cup is filled, it needs to be emptied back out. And it's emptied out by giving it to other people. And and people think, oh man, that's so exhausting. You're supposed to be exhausted. Mm. You're supposed to be exhausted. How can God fill a cup that's already filled? You have to empty it in order to get it filled back up. And so I think ultimately they, they have to go on a journey to, to find themselves and then to determine what it is that they're supposed to do. And those things are hidden in your gifts and your talents. And don't hoard them for yourself. Don't hoard them for you to enjoy. Give them to others and share them with the world. So as we're coming near to a close here, I've heard a lot. I've heard the importance of family, but I've heard the importance of not only not only trying to get the bag, <laughs> right? Yeah. That that's been what's been pushed on us. You know, we're getting the bag now. Like ten years ago was get rich or die trying, right? <laughs> right. But we getting we get into the bag. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that should should be about the bag but there's more to you than the bag and your finances so we're talking about becoming a 
not perfect person, but whole. Yes. I heard wholeness in, in the conversation. Now I'm hearing finding your purpose. But you said something that was very important because another conversation my wife and I had recently is... Are there, is there more than one purpose? Mm. Right. And you narrowed it down when you basically said your purpose isn't for you. So the issue in some cases, Stephen, is not that people is not that people aren't pursuing purpose. They're pursuing a purpose, but the end game centers around them. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. Not others. Right. When you fail to realize that you don't have to use your purpose to elevate yourself. Mm -mm. If you're helping people and elevating people and you become a vehicle, God will elevate you so that you can help more. Absolutely. People. Prayer your best. That's actually what it was about. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's, it's the faucet model. I'm making sure the water gets to where it's going. There will always be liquid in, in, in me. I will never be dry as long as I'm getting the water to who needs to get it. Absolutely. Right. And so really and truly purpose is about being a servant to your gift. There you go. That's it. And in that comes fulfillment. Yes. Why do you think we got it backwards? Um, I'm going to get mine before you get yours. Want to be first. Mm. Self gratification. Self immediate self gratification. Is so important for people. And. If we can forego self-gratification, we can experience long-term success. Oh, can I can I go in here? I'm going to I'm going to start this off by saying I agree with you. Hey, Gatcher, you yes. don't have to ask for permission. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> Just go. I'm going to I'm going to say I agree with you, but I I heard something on an interview recently. It's talking about that. It was it was counter to what you're saying and it was uh it was giving the value of self gratification. And this man said, even when you're on a plane, you got to make sure your oxygen is on first mm-hmm. before you help the next person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so of course he, he equated that to, you know, uh, tangible material things in life, you know, and I guess he had somewhat of a good purpose behind it, but he was making a stance for no, bro, you got to get yours first. Mm-hmm. What would you say to something like that, given that analogy I just gave you? Um, that um, He took that analogy out of context because I don't disagree with that. Because, yes, you, you do have to put the mask on you before. But um, that principle relates to salvation and not necessarily living And when it comes to our purpose, Right. Because it says work out your own soul salvation. So you are supposed to focus on yourself. And how can you save somebody else when you ain't saved yourself? Okay. So, but you got to put that in a box and put it where it belongs. But over here, the things that God has given to us, 
He didn't give it to us for us to keep it ourselves. It's just simple as that. Yeah. And he showed us that example because the thing that he thought more of than anything else was who? His son. And what did he do? He gave it to us. Again, we are in his image and his likeness. So we are supposed to follow after his character. So if he was to give his most precious gift to bless the world, then when he gives us a gift, what are we supposed to do with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will say this too. I will say this too. Context uh, is everything. Yeah. I will say, I will say this too. Because I, I heard another philosopher um, by the name of Sean Carter say, how can I help the poor from one of them? <laughs> right. <laughs> what I've learned about generosity is it is it is a principle. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset. It, it, it says it's a, it's a statement out there that says money only magnifies who you already are. You don't wait to get the bag before you decide I'm going to help others. You're already helping people. Absolutely. It's already part of your DNA. You just now have more resources to be effective in your helping of people. There are a lot of people who cap and say that <laughs> they are doing this to help people, but you're not, you, you're not helping Mm-mm. the people around you. <laughs> right. You know good and well, you know good and well, you're going to stunt for a little bit (laughs) and waste opportunities to really be effective. And so while I do, I do feel that, yes, you can't help people if you don't have the resources, but you're capable of helping people regardless of what state you're in. It may be on a lower, smaller level, but you're still, you still have the mindset to help people get the mindset. And if you're pursuing purpose, you're going to be put in positions to where you're going to be able to do more. Absolutely. And I think that's where the trust comes in and the work ethic comes in and the whole nine. Absolutely. Guys, this has been great. This this was really good. Want to appreciate want to appreciate you so much for stopping by, man. Um, did you have anything else, Gat? Mm. I mean, you know, nothing productive. No. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you can. (laughs) Did you have anything in closing, man? Did you go ahead? Go ahead. Like, do you have like? Again, this is this is you. You said it. You said it to your former self. You know, your 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 teenage self. What's the one thing that you would leave? Because you said a lot. What's the one thing you would want men our age, men ages 25 to 40, 25, 45? Thank you. What do you, what do you, oh, 25. <laughs> it's over, Black. It's over. <laughs> it's it. It's done for you. You're done. <laughs> I can't have a purpose. You aged out. <laughs> that purpose aged like milk, buddy. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Man. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, but just, just, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. our demographic for for the sake of our community. Mm-hmm. What's what's the one thing you want black men to know? 
the thing that is crippling us is fear. Simple as that. And there is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. So what we have to do as men is we have to find love for ourselves so that we can love others. And most importantly, which was the reason why it was number one on my list, is loving God. Because he is our creator and the source of everything that we are. And um, and and so we we have to, you know, get that fear out of the way. And, and we fear a lot of things. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid that if I if I'm open that she will judge me. If I, I, I'm afraid if I'm vulnerable, she won't respect me. I, I'm, I'm afraid if I do this, they're not going to follow me. And I'm afraid. And, and at the end of the day, quit being afraid. If you know it's what's right to do, then do it. Nobody has to tell you to do what's right. Just do it. And, um, and I think that's what I will leave with everybody. There's no fear in love. So get rid of it. Stephen Michael, thank you so much for stopping by, chopping it up with us, just talking. Appreciate we just it. chopped Appreciate it up it. this time. Oh, yeah, we did. Real estate Enjoyed is great, it. but it sometimes is. we just need to talk. We just right. need to talk. I appreciate we need to talk. it. So, Brian, can I come back? Of course. What are you doing tomorrow? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> ask me. Just ask you. Just ask me. All right. Get the middleman out the way. I got it. Right. That may not be a bad idea. <laughs> Listen, we we feel like we're 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 on the right path yeah. in terms of what we want to do. And so. we ain't scared. Say it with your chest this time. <laughs> Say it with your chest this time. <laughs> Lost all the bases yeah. for us. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't scared. <laughs> this is a tough room. <laughs> oh, tough oh, room. hey, you gotta you gotta come strapped in here, bro. Yeah, man. We still mean at the end of the day. Right. We're going to jump right. on you now. Oh We're going to talk goodness. about you. But I, I really feel like we, we've we kind of found our groove. Yeah. And so I think you can sense that. And so we appreciate you coming and just kind of casting the vision as to where giving away. We don't have to promote it as this is the way or bust. But we're giving you an alternative, especially yeah. if you're searching. So thank you so much for coming thank by and, and giving us... Your your precious precious jewels of wisdom, much appreciated, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be applying some of this stuff. This is, this is great for me. Yeah. So. Those of you, we appreciate you hanging out with us. You already know what to do. Please go out on social media, follow us, subscribe to us at the Tipping Point, T H A Tipping Point one word on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, you can also go to our page on YouTube. We have a YouTube page, guys. Go out there and subscribe to us. Like those videos. Engage with us. Help us get our numbers up. We greatly appreciate it. Gatry, we had church, so take us out. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. Go in peace. Have a wonderful, great rest of your week. And as always, I am Caesar Walker. That guy across from me is Ronnie Gatry. We are the Tempe Point Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.